Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are going to be looking at Denis Villeneuve's new adaptation of Dune. And I got to tell you, it's taking all of my self-control right now to not put some big, giant Hans Zimmer-style music behind this intro because uh, I just think that would be so ridiculous. But um, no, I'm not going to do it. Instead, I'll uh, play one of my big, huge, ridiculously big songs at the end of the episode, like I always do. So I'll I'll wait for then. I'll I'll show some self-restraint. But uh, joining me today for this conversation about Dune is film critic Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. And uh, we have a great conversation. Lots of great puzzle pieces coming up. So we will get to that in a minute. And before we do, I want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can, of course, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, wherever you're listening right now. You can find us right there and hit a subscribe or a follow or a whatever button and check out all the rest of our episodes while you're at it. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser or Good Pods. And we really appreciate all of the feedback we get from everybody that listens to the show. So please do do that. Uh, Follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget, we also have a Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where we combine bonus content and advanced content from Piecing It Together, from Awesome Movie Year, from my music career, and whatever else we can throw up there. So uh, check it out. It's patreon.com slash bydavidrosen. I'll be posting some bonus tracks from my latest album, The Dissection Table, very soon on there. And, of course, as always, lots of podcast stuff is going up on there as well. So check that out, and let's talk about Dune. All right, Josh Bell is with us today to talk about... Is it the biggest movie of the year, Josh? Dune? Do you think it will be? Like Like at the box office? Not necessarily the box office, in the, the public perception. No, because... There's Marvel, sure. and that really dwarfs everything. I guess that's true, yeah. So, yeah. I think not. Well, but it's certainly one of the biggest. Definitely, yeah. I mean, this is one of the, especially when it comes to, like, the delayed 2020 movies, like, and and this is a thing that, like, 
I, I think it just weighs heavily over expectations of it and everything is that this is one of the big ones that was supposed to come out last year and got delayed and here we are. Right. Well, not only that, but even before last year, there was such a long, long process of trying to get this made and yeah. different filmmakers who might take it on and just the fan base that exists for these novels so there's years and years of people waiting for this movie and coming up with their own expectations of what it would be like. So I should ask you then, are you one of those fans? No, I am not. Mm. Uh, not that I'm an anti-fan or anything. Sure. Um, I, I have Dune, the the first book, uh, sitting on my bookshelf. I bought it at a used book sale maybe 20 years ago and sure. i thought i should read this i i'm a sci-fi fan i've re read a lot of sci-fi novels and this is a huge classic of the genre and i thought yeah it's something i should probably read and i just every time i think maybe i'll read dune i'm like mm, maybe i won't watching this movie it seems like a huge undertaking yeah i think so i mean it's a very detailed it's known for having you know a big appendix of terms and whatever and and i tend to shy away from those kinds of sci-fi novels and so one of the things I appreciated about this movie is that I felt like I understood everything in this world without having to consult an appendix or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was it was streamlined in a way that didn't feel like it was dumbed down, but also made things understandable to me as someone who has not read the book and is not intimately familiar with every detail of this world. Yeah. But also, I I mean, I, I know we, we uh, disagree on whether this movie was actually good, but um, I, I should I should say, actually, I should get that out in the open here. Uh, I didn't get a chance to tell you this before we got to this recording session, but I started rewatching it this morning. I didn't get to finish it okay it works a lot better the second time around right. I, I i still am not gonna like sit here and say that i'm like a fan of it i didn't love it the second time around but i definitely liked it more than that first time all right well i'm, I'm glad to hear that because yeah. i did like it and and i liked it enough that i thought maybe i'll give it a try with the book maybe before part two comes out i'll finally read this book no you won't probably not <laughs> this is what i said about the lord of the rings i think we talked about this when we did our big lord of the rings yeah episode and uh, yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't really work out very well. Yeah, it's it's too much work. There, there's there's a lot of uh, things to watch, and who has time? But yeah, yeah. We'll have a lot to talk about throughout this conversation, I'm sure. Why don't we start getting into some puzzle pieces here? What do you got for your first one? Well, I'll start with the obvious because why not? Um, and that is Dune. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and 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 two Dunes really. Yeah. Uh, first of all, David Lynch's 1984 version of Dune. And secondly, uh, Hodorowski's Dune, the documentary about the version that uh, was not made by Alejandro Hodorowski. And both of these are filmmakers who are these kind of crazy visionaries. Sure. Right. And in both cases, they were unsuccessful in bringing their sort of crazy visions to life. I mean, in Lynch's case, you can watch that film and see that. Clearly not everything that he was trying to do succeeded and he couldn't quite tackle this whole, again, he does the whole book. And if you've seen Dune, the Villeneuve version, you know that it's only half the book. Right. Um, so they don't work, but I think Villeneuve is someone who is, I'm sure, a fan of these filmmakers and respects the boldness of their visions and even though he's not copying anything that they do or that they thought to do, I mean, in the, the Hodorowski documentary, they show a lot of storyboards and concept imagery and stuff. So you can really get a sense of what he was going for. I don't know that Villeneuve is copying that stuff, but 
he's definitely working in a tradition of these kind of big, bold visions. Yeah. And I think what makes this movie work and what makes his sci-fi movies work is that he can combine that with this grounded, serious, dramatic sense that he's got. And yeah. that he's, uh, you know, more than most filmmakers, able to bridge these two elements, whereas I think almost anyone else that they could have hired, and there's, you know, been various people over the years who might have made this movie, are either on one end of the spectrum, like Lynch and Hodorowski, who are just like crazy out in the stratosphere, or on the other end of the spectrum, like Peter Berg, who was at one point supposed to direct this film, who is just this very like basic meat and potatoes kind of filmmaker. Yeah. And Villeneuve is is a good balance there. So I'm sure he looked at those films and and in 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 some ways they may be influencing him just in the sense of not wanting to do what they do. Exactly. And, and looking at that and saying, okay, Lynch did it this way, or Hodorowski was going to do it this way, so let me approach it differently. Yeah, I think Villeneuve, for as, as sometimes weird and unique as his films can be, they're also very crowd-pleasing, and I think that he definitely didn't want to go all the way in the direction of what Lynch did with, with his Dune, which, by the way, I watched this week for the first time, and I liked more than this, but only because it's just so... Weird, you know, it's weird and fun. Whereas this Dune, um, even though I, I'm liking it more on my second watch, it's still not fun at all. It's just so dry, you know. Yeah, I mean, I also watched the Lynch version for the first time fairly recently, and I didn't like it more than this version, but I did kind of like it for its weird misfit energy. Mm -hmm. It is very strange and is more or less incomprehensible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, having not read the book and that was my first uh, exposure to the story, it's like, what? And it's this weird balance of like constant exposition. Mm -hmm. And yet because Lynch uses all these voiceovers and you hear people's thoughts and yet it still makes no sense. And, and that's what I've thought about this one too. I thought it's just constant exposition. I, I like that Paul is just sitting in bed watching like tutorial videos basically. And like, that's some of the movie of this new Dune. Right. I felt like this did a better job mm -hmm. of giving you what you needed to know without just like saying it i mean yeah. lynch's version opens with someone literally talking to the camera <laughs> yeah. telling you about and there's one moment in there which is great where she kind of like fades out mm -hmm. and then fades back in like oh wait one more thing yeah yeah i thought she was like maybe looking at her notes or something yeah, exactly <laughs> but I, I i will agree with you that lynch's version is fun and and people should check it out despite its Lynch himself doesn't even like it right. and kind of disowned it, but it's worth seeing. Yeah. And I've never seen the, uh, the documentary uh, about the other version that would have been, but I, I want to watch it though sometime soon because it sounds interesting if nothing else. Oh, it is. And you can watch that movie and the documentary is fascinating and the ideas that he had, the ridiculous thoughts and enjoy that documentary and think also if he had made this movie, it would have been horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and that's part of what's amusing about the documentary. <laughs> So, uh, you know, speaking to Villeneuve trying to, you know, kind of be crowd pleasing and all that, I, I think for my first uh, puzzle piece, uh, I'm going to go to Christopher Nolan as a filmmaker in general, but I mean, especially Dunkirk, which as you know, is a movie I do not like. And when I first got out of the theater, or I would should say while I was in the theater watching Dune, I was thinking like, oh no, this is another Dunkirk. This is a movie that's just all spectacle. There's no character, no story for me to really care about. And it, it kind of comes down to like, we're doing this because we can and not for any particular reason of story, which really when it comes down to it is the most important thing of a good movie, I think. And 
like I said, on my second watch through, I'm starting to get it a little bit, what people are more connecting with. But I still think in a similar way to Dunkirk and to some of Nolan's other stuff, it really comes down to what can we do and let's make this big, big movie based on the the most budget, the most special effects, the most everything and throw it all in there. And that is going to make people happy. Yeah, I mean... I will say, first of all, yes, Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve are clearly like kindred spirits yeah. as filmmakers. And Nolan himself has recently said that Dune is fantastic and that he loved it. And you can totally see that he would love this movie. Yeah. I disagree with you in that I, I kind of liked Dunkirk. Um, okay. I didn't love it. And I also, I, fe- I, I think it's fair to say that the characters in this movie are a little hard to connect with. Mm-hmm. Um. I think there's plenty of interesting story. I mean, one of the things that I find fascinating about this movie is to me, it felt like it was an actual, like Denis Villeneuve had discovered like a history textbook from like an alien civilization and somehow made that into a movie. Yeah. And I I liked that in that it was, you know, it was dry in that sense of like, what even is this? Yeah. You know? And, and, and by so, the way, that's going to come up in another one of my puzzle. All pieces, right. Well, I, yeah. I, I look forward to that, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I do think there's, even though there's more story to come, you know, cause he doesn't adapt the whole book. I did feel like a lot happened in this movie, even if I didn't maybe emotionally connect with the characters. Sure. And, and I think part of maybe what didn't work necessarily for me story wise is the splitting it up into two movies. I mean, this clearly should have just been, they should have just went for it and made a four and a half hour movie. <laughs> well, I will speak to that in my next piece. All right, let's go for it. Which is The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Sure. Um, and and for one of those reasons, which is that, of course, that is not a whole story. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a whole book because uh, Tolkien divided The Lord of the Rings into three books, although it wasn't initially intended to be three books. So maybe that's like the precursor of this. Sure. Where you're like, my book, my one book is now three books. Yeah. Um, but that's a movie where definitely ends and you're like well this isn't the end Mm -hmm. you know there's more to come but i think similarly like i i realize that now they've officially greenlit this dune part two and we will get it yeah but watching this movie when we weren't sure necessarily whether that would happen i felt like i know there's more story here but i kind of liked the way that it ended Mm -hmm. where you're left with this prospect of the characters are going on to these big strange scary things and they don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen either yeah um and i almost would have been fine with it if that had ended there and i think the fellowship of the ring tells maybe a more complete story Mm -hmm. than than dune does but it also ends in a way where you're like i'm with these characters in that in sort of looking forward to the scary adventures to come and are they going to be able to handle this or not And if somehow that had been the end, like with Ralph Bakshi, when he attempted to make Lord of the Rings and and wasn't able to continue it. Yeah. If, if that had happened and Peter Jackson had just made the one movie and it had failed or something, I would have almost felt like I'm okay here Mm -hmm. with the way that this ended. So, but I think also the Lord of the Rings movies have that similar quality of it's as if They've discovered this actual, you know, text from this weird ancient world and just brought it to life that it's so immersive and it's so fully realized. Yeah. And you are just like there in this place that Peter Jackson has created. And I think that Villeneuve does a lot of that here. Yeah. Well, you know, to 
the idea of them not finishing the story, uh, clearly you're not a Zendaya stan, because uh, otherwise you'd want to see more of, the, of her character, right? And it's not that I don't <laughs> want them to. I just yeah, felt like I if know. it had not worked out, there were so many reviews that said like, well, this is good only if they make the second part. Mm-hmm. And my feeling was like, no, it's good either way. Yeah, it's fine either way. I, I kind of agree with you because, I mean, it does at least end at a, uh, you know, a good stopping point. Like this person is just found out, you know, that he really probably is special and he is going to be able to, you know, lead them into the next, you know, you know, whatever is going on in the story, whatever happened in the uh, David Lynch movie, who who knows, I guess he's going to ride a sandworm in the next one. We'll see. I think he is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I might as well just combine with that puzzle piece here and go to go to the first the Matrix movie, which we will be getting a new one of in a uh, couple of months here. But, uh, you know, the ending of the hero learning his powers finally, and he's, he's finally becoming the person that everybody believes he can be, and he's the one and all that stuff, which, of course, that's another thing that is going to kind of run through a lot of these puzzle pieces as they're all inspired by Dune in the first place. So this is, you know, kind of a uh, missing pieces, breaking it apart kind of thing in itself. But uh, also, you know, aside from that, though, you also have the training simulation scenes, which are so, you know, Neo uh, training with... um, Lawrence Fishburne's character, which I'm drawing a blank Morpheus. On. Morpheus, yes, absolutely. Uh, so similar to that with, like, you know, training that feels real, but it's special effects-based training, and so you get all those cool effects and stuff, which... Again, not to bring bring it up over and over again, but I loved the boxes in the uh, David Lynch version. I, I thought that was so cool. <laughs> yeah, those kind of early computer. They look like they came out of Tron or something yeah. like that, which was around the same time period. Yeah, so, I like yeah. that version of it. A lot of those tactile, weird, ornate effects in that Lynch version are, are really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so yeah, so those are just two examples of, of these movies that you just know more is coming, but at the same time, we end on that point of like, oh he's arrived you know this this major character but uh what do you got for your next piece so my next piece is uh andre tarkovsky's solaris Mm -hmm. and i was trying to find i don't know this is necessarily the best example of what i was trying to look for which is again that 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 sense of a sci-fi movie that feels like you literally have like opened a window into some alien civilization Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that's done especially well in these more like artsy sci-fi movies yeah. where they're not interested in giving you a lot of explanations about things and connecting all the pieces or whatever. It's it's just like, here is a bit of something that no one really quite understands. Yeah. And so I haven't seen Tarkovsky's other major sci-fi film, Stalker, I think maybe is a bit more a little bit closer to this, but I haven't seen it. So I'm going to go with Solaris instead, um, which does involve like human characters that come from what is recognizable as like our earth. Yeah. And they travel to this space station that's orbiting this mysterious planet and uh, sort of an entity there that uh, brings to life their dead loved ones. And so there's a lot of like visions and a lot of, you know, prophecy, but sense of fate and inevitability um, but done in this in this very somber, uh, introspective kind of way that I think connects. Um, so maybe not specifically every plot element of that movie, but certainly that approach that Tarkovsky takes mm-hmm. to sci-fi and that era in like the 70s and early 80s of, of these artistic sci-fi films. I think that's something that influences Villeneuve 
Sure. Yeah. I, I've, I've never actually seen Solaris. I know it's come up on a few Piecing It Together episodes, and I'm going to have to watch it one of these days. But kind of the uh, total opposite end of that puzzle piece, a movie, well, a couple of movies that I'm sure were inspired by Solaris himself uh, will be my next puzzle pieces, and that's Ridley Scott's Alien prequels. Oh, the, yeah. I have those on my list. Yeah. Too. Prometheus and Alien Covenant. You know, both examples, like you're talking about, like it just seems like somebody is like seeing this weird future, like, you know, whether, whether it's from a, a book that they found or a vision or whatever the hell it is, but it just all feels so insanely detailed. And, you know, some of it, you almost want to think like, like, could, could something like this happen? And it seems so far out there and so sci-fi-ish, but it also feels so grounded and real in a weird way. Maybe not so much the xenomorphs and all that, but some of the other stuff, you know, it just all just kind of comes from a place that seems like it's propelled really far into the future from what we are now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree uh, on that. I had Prometheus on my list, but I think probably both of them could apply there. And, and especially uh, all of those. I mean, one of the criticisms of those movies is that, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really like add up or make sense. Right, right. But, but that, that sense of, of we don't, it doesn't add up and make sense because the characters don't understand it. You right. know, it's, it's mysterious and it's unknowable. Yeah. And I, I do think that, that Ridley Scott captures that very well. And I mean, and of course, this connects back to Dune because uh, Hodorowski uh, had hired H.R. Uh, Geiger and Dan O'Bannon, uh, you know, who wrote the original Alien and Geiger, who designed those creatures. And they were working on his film. And when that fell apart, they shifted and worked on Ridley Scott's Alien. And that was because they weren't able to work on That's Dune. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, so a lot of that was fueled then into into Ridley Scott's films. Yeah. I I you got to wonder, like, between 65 when the books came out and then into 84, like, I wonder what Lynch is going on other than just imagination for what all this stuff would look like, you know? Yeah, well, I think Khodorowsky's efforts came first. So he had all of those storyboards and concept designs that Lynch might or might not have looked at. Uh Um, But right, we don't have the tradition now that Villeneuve has to draw from of these previous adaptations and we didn't mention, but there's also a sci-fi channel miniseries from 2002, right, which right. I haven't seen. And I don't know that if you have probably I'd imagine there's comics. Are there? Yeah, there are comics. Yeah. There was a comic book. I think there was a comic book adaptation of Lynch's film, but there <sighs> may be other comics. And, and now of course too, there's a million Dune novels that sure. Frank Herbert's son has continued on. So there's like 25 books or something that you could read. There's yeah. a whole canon of stuff that didn't exist when Lynch was making his film. And Villeneuve already said he hopes to do at least one more maybe after the second part. Right, right. Yeah, yeah there's five I think in that original series that Frank Herbert himself wrote before he died. And yeah. so presumably they would never... Well, they would, you know, H or uh, you know HBO Max or Warner might, yeah. you know, keep it going as long as they could. But I think Villeneuve is gonna would bow out before that. We 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 can only hope. But uh, yes. what do you got for your next piece? So my next piece, I I might combine two here mm-hmm. uh, because these are both uh, I think similar animated films uh, from that this the same era as like Solaris, this like seventies and early eighties era of weird ass sci-fi so one is heavy metal sure. from 1981 uh and the other is a european film called fantastic planet from 1973 i think okay um and so both of these are uh, again movies that that feel in some ways just like 
these glimpses into these weird worlds that just exist fully formed outside of ourselves. Yeah. You know, heavy metal is a lot cheesier is uh it's got a lot of boobs you yeah. know yeah. it was one of those movies that i think i remember as a you know as a teenager like oh i should see this like naughty animated film or whatever yeah sure but it, it you know that that sort of european sci-fi sensibility heavy metal is based on the heavy metal magazine which is a long-running european uh sci-fi comics series i think that aesthetic of both of those films and fantastic planet is a lot more surreal and like psychedelic and uh, doesn't necessarily fully make sense as a story I, I, I think as much as live action, I think Villeneuve is drawing a lot on like comics and animation yeah. for what he does here. And so uh, both of those are weird head trip things. I don't think I've seen heavy metal since I was a teenager. Yeah, I thought about putting it on my list, actually, for that same reason. I didn't because I haven't seen it since I was a teenager. But uh, yeah, that, that that's a great piece there. And I, I wish because Villeneuve is such a visual director, like I wish he got weirder with this. And I think it's a good place to bring up Blade Runner 2049, his previous film, which I feel like this comes from the same place of wanting to just go huge and go big and go full of style and sci-fi and, a, you know, all these interesting costumes and effects and things. And I, I wish that it just went. I don't I don't know necessarily bigger because he's already about as big as you can get with this these two movies back to back but I just wish it got a little weirder is where I, where I would hope it would go and I feel like Blade Runner 2049 was weirder than this. Maybe. I mean I like Blade Runner 2049 a lot and and Arrival too. I mean I I I'd been kind of not super enthused about Villeneuve especially in his early work and I feel like when he's started making these sci-fi movies where like I was saying before he really combines that kind of serious dramatic sense with this big weird spectacle yeah you know in a way that that other directors maybe aren't able to do that's when his work has really started connecting for me yeah so i don't know i feel like we have weirder you can watch the lynch version and you can (laughs) see what hodorowski wanted to do and you can see what weirder looks like and it didn't quite do it Mm -hmm. you know to me so i feel like this is just the right balance of weird but also accessible. It's it's weird. Like Villeneuve, I, these last three movies, I don't love any of the three of them. Yet he's still one of the most exciting filmmakers for me. Whenever a new movie of his is announced, I'm like, I can't wait to see it. Just because I just think he has all of the pieces of what you want to see in a big, exciting, you know, gigantic blockbuster movie. You know, more so than like a Nolan, who also I like, but don't always love his stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think both of them, again, it's not surprising that they have this sort of mutual admiration because I think they have this similar sensibility and they're, you know, it's hard to get this much money to make a movie that's your own personal vision. And they're, you know, two of the the few people who can actually still do that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you got next? So my next pick is uh, Luc Besson's Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Sure. Which is not like a good movie <laughs> no. maybe but but two things one i think and and we've mentioned this you or you mentioned this the idea that dune was so influential that you know kind of one of the challenges i think they had with this movie is not making it look like a ripoff of all the things that ripped off dune sure you know because dune the novel came out in 1965 and in the you know nearly 60 years since then so many other things have drawn from it and now you make the movie and it looks 
redundant, or it could. Sure. And Valerian is similar in that it was based on this pioneering French sci-fi comic from 1967. Again, the same same era as stuff like Heavy Metal and Fantastic Planet. And yet the movie was made in, I don't know, was it 2018 or something like that? I mean, just a few years ago. And so it seems redundant because it's been copied, the comic, so many times. And I think unlike Villeneuve, Luc Besson doesn't find a way to approach the material that makes it seem fresh. But it still has, like, first of all, it's visually, like, amazing. Sure. Um, And it feels big, like the like dune does just the like sheer scale of the world or the sense of like these characters being this like tiny speck in this vast universe of craziness mm-hmm. you know i think he does decently well with that aspect of it at least and 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 the aspect of like here's this window into this world that fully exists and we're just getting a glimpse of this one little bit but you can imagine that there's so much more going on outside it so not a good movie, but <laughs> sure. uh, something's trying some similar things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and yeah, I I wish I liked Valerian because I'm sitting here talking about how much I wish this was weirder and, you know, more crazy. But and that certainly was, but uh, it just wasn't very good. So maybe you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll go with a, another piece here, um, which, you know. I, I would say maybe would have been a puzzle piece for Valerian uh, if we had done a Valerian episode, which is James Cameron's Avatar. Um, but I'm going to go in a different direction aside from the uh, special effects, which would be that connection there. Uh, is the hero falling in love with the pretty girl from the uh, different race of people from the different planet or whatever? And that person has the space resources that they need, you know? So you got all that stuff going in, which I guess is probably a pretty big sci-fi trope along all sci-fi but uh you know avatar is a huge movie when it comes to these big giant blockbusters yes it is and i am sure that uh unobtainium <laughs> has uh some you know influence from from the spice here absolutely yeah. from uh dune it does all things and it's everything you could ever want yeah mm-hmm. yeah and 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 the sort of which did really bother me but certainly people have brought up the sort of questionable like cultural racial dynamics of the native people sure. and the the you know white savior kind of character mm-hmm. um which dune i mean and this is only from reading summaries of things but i mean kind of interrogating that and subverting that is one of the big things that frank herbert does as the dune books go on right i believe um but you could argue that here it's not quite fully presented that way yeah it's hard to see down the road what what is going to hopefully happen that's gonna you know turn that on its head right Right now it just feels like yeah right and (laughs) i i I felt like it was handled well enough here that it didn't seem to me like insensitive or offensive but certainly some people have taken it that way sure and more so in avatar which you know uh james cameron one of many strengths but subtlety is not one of them no no never never and sometimes that's a good thing like the terminator right yes (laughs) all right what do you got next well so my last thing is 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 kind of connected to one thing you mentioned before uh the matrix and that is the wachowski's film jupiter ascending Mm. which like valerian is bad sure um although unlike valerian has a huge cult following of people who think it is brilliant Mm. um but you know, I'm sure that the Wachowskis grew up on Dune. Sure. And I mean, not literally on Dune, of course, but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. on those books <laughs> and the Lynch film and all of that stuff. 
and are heavily influenced by this whole era of sci-fi that I keep talking about from the 70s and 80s and are trying to capture some of that vibe with Jupiter ascending. And again, that window into that wider world. I mean, in that film, you have the character who is literally, you know, Mila Kunis's character who is going from being this like, you know, housekeeper or whatever on Earth to discover that she's part of this massive intergalactic, you know, spanning empire thing that she wasn't aware of. And so you as a viewer are kind of being introduced to that whole world too. And the weirdness, I don't think it really works or that it's kind of campy or maybe it's not supposed to be campy. I mean, things like Channing Tatum is the like dog man I or love whatever that character, it is. Yeah. <laughs> and Eddie Redmayne's whole performance in that oh. movie, which is just awesomely terrible. So bad. Um, but again, there's people who think that movie is is brilliant. And I think like Lynch's Dune it's something that is sort of like been adopted by weird sci-fi nerds and, yeah. and, and I'm all for that. Yeah. That's an interesting like piece to bring up because yeah, this movie will never be mistaken for camp. This, this no, version of no. Dune. Yeah. And it's, it's super serious and uh, you know, that that's what I think a lot of people are connecting with. Uh, so for my last puzzle piece, talking about super seriousness, we've already talked about one of the other major filmmakers of the moment with Christopher Nolan. Uh, I'm going to talk about Zack Snyder for a second here. I mean, I'm not a super huge fan. I, I like his stuff. You know, I, I don't know where you fall on him. We know Ooh. how our buddy Chad Clinton Freeman thinks about him. Oh, but yeah, Chad's going to come after me if I say some mean things about yeah, Zack Snyder. Be, let's tread carefully here. Let's let's uh, let's dune walk. Carefully. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, lots of slow motion epic scale super seriousness a lack of humor uh you know muted color schemes huge special effects uh, giant battle scenes i mean the 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 battle scenes in this movie remind me a lot of uh the krypton scenes in man of steel you know where it's just explosions everywhere and giant ships falling but not like exactly fun per se um i i think there's some snyder in this i really do all right yeah i mean i i feel like all of those things snyder is that don't work when he <laughs> attempts them, you sure. know? I mean, I think yeah. it's tough, you know? I think to, if you're going to take material like this that is inherently kind of ridiculous and mm -hmm. you're going to take it very seriously, it's right. tough to make that work. Sure. And I think there's a lot of movies that take this kind of material seriously and they just fall on their faces. Mm -hmm. And I think Snyder is someone who who kind of does that, that. Right. You know, and I think actually, you know, when I was talking about the the sort of two ends of that spectrum where you have like Lynch and Hodorowski on one end and you have Peter Berg on the other end and you know Villeneuve is kind of able to be in the middle I think Snyder is is way more on that Peter Berg sure. <laughs> end of things uh, yeah. and I'm trying to imagine Zack Snyder's Dune and what that would and that would have I it would have been terrible it would have we're been gonna, we're gonna find out with Rebel Moon pretty soon right yeah well that's is that Zack Snyder's Star Wars that's or Star I, Wars I don't know what yeah. that is so, yeah. so, sorry Chad I can't be on board with <laughs> Zack Snyder <laughs> Well, let's go over the finished puzzle here for Dune. We, of course, talked about the other versions of Dune. Uh, we talked about Christopher Nolan's work, especially Dunkirk, uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Rings, The Matrix, Solaris, Prometheus, and Alien Covenant, Heavy Metal, Fantastic Planet, uh, Blade Runner 2049, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, Avatar, Jupiter Ascending, and the work 
the collected work of <laughs> Zack Snyder. The oeuvre. <laughs> the oeuvre. That's correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, of course, we also could have talked about, uh, you know, I thought about including, like, the Bible and, like, all the religious, you know, but that, right. that's there from the beginning of the books and everything, I'm sure. Right. I mean, yeah. another thing that I have heard a lot of but I didn't include because I actually have never seen is Lawrence of Arabia. Sure. You know, I mean, we talked about almost exclusively, like, sci-fi and fantasy stuff here, but there's yeah. definitely, like, a historical... Uh, influence on this film as well. I know people have said uh, Apocalypse Now for the villain uh, is is inspired by Marlon Brando there. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so there, there's plenty of other things that we could have gone to for sure. We didn't even bring up Star Wars, but Star Wars was inspired by Dune. Yeah, so. I, I feel like Star Wars is in a way, I don't know. I, I don't it's think everything. it's really, but yeah, but also, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's something that's really being engaged with here. Yeah, well, Let's get into some closing thoughts here. Um, and I mean, usually I'll just ask you if you have any closing thoughts, but we didn't really like touch on performances at all. Like, what do you think about, you know, Timothy Chalamet, Oscar Isaac, like these these performances? I think they're good. I mean, I think like you were saying, the characters maybe aren't as, uh, not, it's not that they're not fully realized, but I think they're hard to engage with as, as like people mm -hmm. so much. So, I, but I think the performances are good and that they bring enough humanity to these characters that are maybe not really written with a lot of humanity yeah um and that's a big that's an important thing yeah so i especially liked rebecca ferguson i think they they offer from what i gather maybe a slightly different interpretation of her character than is in the book but i mm -hmm. felt like she had a lot of you know uh you can sense that she's like the driving force behind so much of what's happening sure in the film and i and i thought she really conveyed that well um i mean oscar isaac is all well is almost always great i mean it's good to see him succeed you know well he's great in star wars i'm thinking you know the other sci-fi thing when he was the the villain in the x-men movie and that was a big uh Ugh. failure for him and 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 in general so no i mean i like him and and he gives you enough to invest in with that character emotionally that it's it's meaningful when he dies yeah um and and chalamet is is fine. I think part of that character though is a person who doesn't really know who he is and sure. is a bit of a blank slate and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. in a way that's perfect. I can't remember where I read it, but some, maybe it was on Letterboxd or someone who said, um, you know, Timothy Chalamet is such a weenie and that makes him perfect for this role. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I liked him in this and I, I haven't like seen that much of him. I mean, Lady Bird and, uh, and, and, uh, with Little Women. But... Call Me By Your Name. Oh yeah. And Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. So I guess those are like the only three maybe that I've seen, but yes, yeah, so I liked him in this. I thought he was good. Um, and yeah, generally performance. I mean, Jason Momoa is Jason Momoa, you know? Right. And He's he, fun. he brings that, 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 action movie energy to that yeah. one character that you've got and duncan idaho man. right right <laughs> amazing name uh hans zimmer score we should mention that real quick i did you like it like I, I, overpowering everything at every moment yeah i feel like that's something that i often would not like mm -hmm. and he's that big pioneer of the score that's just like Bang! oh yeah you know which is really overused everywhere but i feel like for this movie it it was right you sure. know the movie is about like big things that are overpowering and so i, yeah. I felt it okay here yeah all right yeah i I, I got to listen to it on its own one of these days and see how I feel about it, like overall as a score. But yeah, I mean, I it makes sense. I mean, this movie is just all about big. It's yeah. just be as big as possible. And that's that. And I I get it. <laughs> all right. I mean, it's okay if you don't, you know? Yeah. I'm allowed to not like the movie. Right, but it's, I, it's fine. I like it. I like it a little bit. I, it, it's funny because like I was saying, I think I said on Letterboxd, like after watching David Lynch's one, you know, it's 
giving me a greater appreciation. I think normally if you hear that, you think, oh, it's because look how bad David Lynch has turned out. But I don't think that's the reason I'm liking this one more now. I think it's more just like, oh, I get what the story is. I get like what's happening here and why to care about any of it. Yeah, it's amazing that like watching Lynch's version <laughs> made you get the story. It makes no sense, but that's me. So yeah, what are you going to all right. Well, uh, I think that does it for Dune. Josh, is there another movie you watched recently you want to recommend to our listeners? Yeah, very, very, very different from from Dune. Uh, a movie that was uh, shot in quarantine and uh, done over over Zoom, not Dune, okay. um, or whatever. Actually, I don't know if it was. It was probably not done over Zoom, but uh, presented as kind of video chats between two characters. Uh, it's a movie called Language Lessons mm. that uh, it actually did get a theatrical release. Uh, a month or two ago, not here in Vegas though, and is is now on VOD. So I watched it at home, and it's certainly not a movie that you would need to go see in a theater. It's just two characters, uh, chatting back and forth on video chats. Uh, Natalie Morales and Mark Duplass are the stars, as well as the co-writers, and Natalie Morales is the director, and she plays a, a Spanish teacher living in Costa Rica, and Mark Duplass is her student living in California. And they are both having kind of various personal crises. And so it's about their their growing friendship and their connection. And it's not a romance, but it's 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 about chemistry between two people and and forming an emotional bond with an un you know, in an unlikely setting. And it's just really well acted. I mean, and that's it has to be because again, it's just these two characters almost monologuing at each other. So yeah. you really need to be drawn into the the performances. And I think it's done really well. It's not overly ambitious. And I mean, one of the things that it trips up on a little is when it tries to kind of bring in these heavy emotional things and they don't always work. But it's just it's just a, a, a really nice movie to watch about like nice people. Uh, Natalie Morales had a hell of a year this year between that and Plan B had not directed anything before and now yeah. directed those two. So quite an impressive huh. uh, start for her. So yeah, Language Lessons and that's on VOD now. Awesome. Yeah, I, I've heard great things about it. I'm going to have to uh, check that out soon for sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, tell us what's going on with Awesome Movie Year and everything else you're up to. Oh, so many things. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah, so in Awesome Movie Year, speaking of uh, The Matrix, we are talking about 1999 in our current season, and we, we may get a little of that later on, but mm -hmm. such a landmark year. So many influential, uh, beloved films uh, that we've talked about in that year. And uh, so that's exciting. AwesomeMovieYear.com, uh, Awesome Movie Year on Facebook and uh, Instagram. I guess we always plug that, but there's literally nothing there. <laughs> um, and Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Uh, so yeah, check out our, our 99 season. We've been doing a whole tournament of teen movies from that year for our audience choice, winnowing that down to see what we'll end up with. So that's been a lot of fun, a lot of different stuff to choose from there. Uh, I'm just realizing, by the way, how did we not cover Dune in our 1984 season? I was wondering that as well. Yeah. I don't know if we talked about it because it's a notorious flop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we ended up talking about another flop slash cult classic beloved weird sci-fi thing in Streets of Fire. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun to talk about. But yeah, I'm not sure why that didn't really come up for us. But yeah. uh Something Bonus episode one day, maybe. Yeah, we'll maybe. You never know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, go back and check out our 1984 episodes. Lots of good stuff in there, including Definitely. Streets of Fire. Yeah. Uh, if you want to check me out, uh, joshbellhateseverything.com. There's not really a whole lot there, but, you know, check it out anyway. Uh, Josh Bell Hates Everything 
on Facebook and at SignalBleed on Twitter. All my reviews and whatnot, I try to winnow through there. And if you're in Vegas, you can catch me on KTNV Channel 13 on the Friday 11 a.m. news with my movie reviews of new releases. Awesome. Well, Josh, very happy to have you back on the show and uh, hope to do it again soon. Yeah, I look forward to it. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harris, and we co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years, and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984, and we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Dune. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that movie started to grow on me a little bit because everybody else is having so much fun with it, and I was just staring at the screen and opening night at the theater and just like... I don't get why people like this movie, but uh, it's, you know, sometimes maybe it takes a uh, screening or two to get into something. I, do you have a movie that you watched the first time and it just didn't really do that much for you, and then you watch it again and it worked for you so much more? Uh, get in touch. Let me know what movie that is, because I know it happens to all of us. Uh, I always like hearing from people that listen to the show. Also, if we missed any major puzzle pieces that you think we should have brought up, definitely get in touch. You can, of course, do that over on... Twitter at Piecing Pod. You can do it on Instagram at Piecing Pod. You can do it on Facebook, Piecing It Together, or in our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And you could also email me by David Rosen at gmail.com. I love hearing from people. And if you want to uh, join me for an episode one of these days, get in touch for that too. I'm always looking for new co hosts. There's always movies for us to cover. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have you on the show sometime. So uh, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen, rate and review us. I love seeing those pop up it's always great when people uh send that feedback and uh you know i mentioned the patreon at the top of the show i'll quickly mention it again produced by david rosen it's patreon.com slash by david rosen lots of content from piecing it together awesome movie year and from my music career and speaking of my music career i'm gonna close us out with a piece of music like i always do i said i'd go with a big track because for a movie like Dune, you got to go big. So I'm going to go with this track called Like Never Before. It's from my album David Rosen that came out in 2020. Just a self-titled album. And uh, this one gets big. So I thought it would be a good one to close this out on. So enjoy the track. It's called Like Never Before. The album is available on Spotify, on iTunes, on all those places. So if you want to hear more, go check it out. And we'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.